Welcome to the When We Cry Umineko Book Club Podcast, part 13, where we will continue to discuss episode 3 of Umineko. This is our part 2, I guess. I am your host, Lorenzo. I am Ambi. I am this. And this is Mushroom. It's very exciting times, I know. <laughs> All right, we did it. Oh my god. Um, I'm pretty sure, like... 90% of this will be edited out, but we've just spent an hour trying to record the introduction. So um, mm-hmm. thank you for sticking with us. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, how's, how's everyone been? It's been almost a month, I think, since the last time we talked. No about way. Mineco, I feel like we I only been, your... we talked like last week, right? Yeah, it's yeah, been like a week or two. like an entire month. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've like, my concept of time has been, you know, down the drain ever since... Ever since the incident, <laughs> ever since you know? the end of time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ever since the calamity, yeah, 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 yeah. the IRL calamity. Uh, it's been it's been a real doozy. Uh, I think my end of the Discord call. I guess my workplace is trying to reopen soon, so they want everybody to go into work tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine, I guess. But on the bright side, <laughs> round one is also going to try to open, which is. Ooh, that would it's be not fun. smart i don't think I... i'll go but you know it's good that they're trying to reopen it now so in time lorenzo do you have your shots uh, yet? yeah yeah i'm fully vaxxed i can lick oh. all the doorknobs i want i can sniff everybody's sneezes <laughs> i can open mouth kiss any strangers i see on the streets i'm good <laughs> i also i just got my first oh, shot nice. um the most the thing that i'm looking for the most right now is to go eat all you can eat sushi there's a all you can eat sushi place like right down my street that i love and i used to just tank so much <laughs> money there because or like actually it's pretty cheap it's like if you go on a day that's like um like there are like special days it's like 20 20 ish dollars and I literally could eat like two hundred dollars worth of sushi. Oh yeah, like, you have to. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I I would say like <laughs> out of everything in the world that I really want to do because of end of COVID is like I want to go eat pho and I want to go eat sushi, and like you could still order pho like as yeah. a takeout, but like it's still just not as good as like getting right? it in a bowl. I mean, you're this close. You're halfway there. Stick to it. <laughs> I am so. I mean, yeah, I know. How about you guys? Have uh, how how are things on the COVID immunity? I don't know timeline for both of you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm fully vaxxed and uh, still pretty far away oh, yeah. for oh. me. Uh, well, I have something. Well, I have. I bought a plane ticket, so I have that to look. Oh, sweet! To. To, I mean, to where? Yeah. I'm gonna go see Mush again. What? Oh, that yeah. sounds so fun. Yeah. We're gonna have we're gonna have a fun time during summertime. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Nice. Yeah, I'll have a fun I mean, time I'm sorry. How how bad is uh that's how bad is like your country with COVID? Like I don't necessarily know that much about like how your country did, so um is it like good, bad? It's 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 so hard we're in on a hard situation right now because it's not it's not bad enough to where things are gonna close, but for the same reason things are starting to open again. And so like, what I mean by this is like people are no longer afraid of the thing, and now that things are starting to open, but like I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be concerned about things opening up again if we weren't so close to the point where we have to get back home again. So it's not like things are 
well and we can reopen. It's just that they aren't as bad, so we can reopen. You know what I mean? We're still we're still on the risk zone, you know? Nope. <laughs> so according that's why to the people in Portugal, uh, COVID is over, so they're doing whatever they want. Awesome. Either way, we're not here to talk about COVID. Yeah, I'm, let's honestly, talk about so the giant-ass <laughs> explosion that happened next to your house. What happened? <laughs> exactly. What was that about? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Is, it, is there no all the news? Happened. Like, like I was talk just, to your neighbors? Just... No, that's... I, I don't I think I am living in a parallel universe like the city I live on doesn't exist in a country that itself doesn't exist I don't know what happened but like the I, I have lived here for about a year and I have witnessed two abnormal things happen in front of my eyes what that just two abnormal things tell me tell pass me on the news on honestly speaking like the first time I thought I was going to be by an alien or something I, I thought I had walked into a sci-fi set because I just, I'm just driving home, and as I approach the vicinity of my house, I just see the streets filled with cars randomly parked to the side with their the doors open, and like I wouldn't find it. I mean, I would find it weird if it was just one street, but like my street was filled, right? So I had to go park my car somewhere, and I passed through like a lot of streets to find somewhere to park my goddamn car, and all of them were flooded with abandoned cars. So I'm like. What just happened here? And so I end up having to park my car at the supermarket. But when I'm when I'm doing the curve to getting to the supermarket, I just I just find a random man dropped in the, dropped like in the middle of the street with a police officer panning him to the ground with a crowd of people on both sides just looking like they weren't even conversing or discussing what they had what had just happened they were just looking like they were random npcs in a video game they were just looking around and i'm like what did i just drive into and like he broke the rules and now he is getting punished and, and like, wait the, i don't get it that's so like wait what I is don't going either. on was is there was there an explosion yeah something? that's the other thing that but okay this story i just told that i never this story i i never ended up find out what happened it just happened, and I had to drive, like, try to not hit the police officer and the person who was being pinned against the ground. It was weird. I never ended up finding out what happened. And so, this like, explosion you didn't even happened... talk to your parents about it? Like, or you didn't talk to anybody <laughs> yeah, in your life about it? Yeah, I like... did. I got home, and I was like, do you know what just happened here? And they were like, what? Like, what happened? What he do you never mean? existed. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> what like are I'm you talking about? This. <laughs> it's just so weird. <laughs> But not this time, though, because this last time that happened last, last night, not last night, it was night. Well, it doesn't matter. It was this weekend. So, like, Recently, I was just two days watching ago. a stream yeah. on Twitch on my phone. And then I start hearing this big ass sound, like a blast wave, like someone had just... Do you know how when, when like, a motorcycle passes by and you, sometimes you hear this boom, this explosion, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, at first yeah. I hear yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's a motorcycle. But then, like, the, the, the sun doesn't disappear. It just keeps going and getting bigger until a bigger explosion happens. I'm like, what the fuck? And so, like, I lose control over my own body for a solid two seconds as I just fucking... What's the expression? When you're... Like, my body just starts moving on its own. I fucking throw the phone into into the ceiling or I, I don't know what happened I I, it, I was not controlling my body at that time and so like I heard the biggest blast wave I had I, like I had never heard a sound that big and then I was like 
what happened here? So I opened the window, everyone's on their windows just looking at each other. No one has no idea what just happened. We we kind of like, I could kind of smell the scent of fire in the air, but at the same time, it was at night and I didn't, you know, there was no light anywhere. If it was a flame, I would see, you know, the light from the flame. So I have no idea what happened. So I went to the bathroom, not because I shed my pants, but because I was honestly... <laughs> I honestly need to go to the bathroom. So when I, when I come when I come back again to the window, I look at the window and there's a fire truck and a, not an ambulance, but a, a regular medical car there. But I, I don't know what I they, they were living. So like I missed whatever happened. And once again, nothing is on the news. No one knows about what happened. This city is cursed. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't ask anybody about it? Like, did you ask your parents about it? Like, are you like anything? What, what did you expect me to do? Go go knock at my neighbor's door and ask? I don't what know. I feel like I would literally like. Okay, I was helping my friend to. I was teaching her how to drive, and we were driving on around a parking lot, and it was in a parking lot that had a trampoline place, and then we saw like four police cars in front of the trampoline place and a bunch of people there we were like that's kind of weird and then an ambulance showed up and we were like wow that's really exciting and then five more police cars showed up and all we wanted to do was go on to snapchat to see if anybody was live snapping like what's snapping? Well, because we, what else could we have like find out because it's like literally yeah. live happening and i was so- like oh if you have Snapchat and you were live Snapchatting what's around you, we might be able to figure out what's happening. We didn't figure out. But it was oh, fucking yeah. wild. <laughs> there was literally what, like, police cars after police cars showing up. And I was like, we are a, not a big town. Like, where the fuck is 12 police cars going to be doing in front of this, like, one trampoline place? Unless there's, like, a hostage situation or some five kids broke their necks simultaneously on a trampoline. And you don't know why there's so many fucking In a ritual cars. trampoline murder <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just follow my city. That's where you get all your news and murders. <laughs> That's my reliable source of news. Anyway, <laughs> talked about so much real world atrocities. Let's talk about fictional atrocities, man. They're real to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Let's jump into it. Um, last time we ended at the preparations of the third episode, and now we are about to jump into the start of the third game. What does the start of the third game mean? Who knows? We're going to find out. <laughs> Anyway, cut to Maria losing her shit over her missing wilted rose again in the garden, crying in the rain. Beatrice in the flesh is there to offer her an umbrella and tells Maria to practice the magic she taught her to look for the rose. Uh, If you remember in the previous part that we covered, um, we went over the magic Beatrice uses by telling you to close your eyes, reciting some magic words, and then Mm -hmm. it magically restores whatever you want. But Beatrice says that even... She can't find the rose with her magic, and it's probably long gone at this point because there's a whole ass typhoon going on. Maria prods her to revive the rose again. Beatrice does more of her sasa bullshit, and golden butterflies appear. Beatrice uses her magic to procure a gold lace rose for Maria. Cut to Kinzo, who's gonna say, who says, "Bring it on, Beatrice! It's not like I'm gonna die a horrible, explodey death or anything." And then throws his Ushirumiya head ring out the window. It turns into a butterfly, and the it signifies that the starting shot has been fired. 
we follow this golden ring that turned into magical butterflies and it turns into this beautiful yaoi hand mustache man decked out in butler attire and he has this one winged eagle crest on him it's uh renove yeah he announces he's finally here yeah, and he announces the start of the game. Uh, Beatrice and Renove shoot the shit with each other. They seem to be old acquaintances, and apparently he's like some high-level level 27 <laughs> demon summon, and he's familiar with Beatrice's other seven summons, the seven anime girl stakes. Yeah, uh, Beat- like I said, Brian David Gilbert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's basically him in the in the flesh. <laughs> We've seen the Seven Sisters, yeah. and now we see Ronove, and like Ronove introduces us to this kind of magic way to categorize the demons, and he says he's the number, I don't know what, of the, I don't know how many demons. This They have this whole catalog of demons to choose from, and so I I, I like to, to think about this as Beato is just playing a gacha game, and she got Ronove, and she's like, cool, five I mean, pretty much, yeah, and apparently he's like high level, so you know Beatrice he's is like 27, the top dog. so there's <laughs> 72 out like 72 demons like and he's one of the 72 and he's the 27 highest ranked great demon (laughs) and he's one of the least straight characters yeah that's very true he's also very (laughs) not straight (laughs) oh oh my god you're about to see what happens like in the next like five seconds (laughs) okay Uh, i mean he's like the sass master honestly uh battler cuts in like the meta guy encroaches onto the Ambi, because you said uh, Ronove looks like uh, Brian David Gilbert, and I will never be able to unsee that, and that's kind of disturbing. He's like a weird blend <laughs> between Brian David Gilbert and, like, John Waters, which are, like, some amount of not straight, <laughs> which I mean by John yeah, Waters exactly. will overshadow whatever that is happening, I guess. It's the pencil. It's the pencil <laughs> mustache. It really is. Yeah. That is true. Battler cuts in. He and the audience are probably like, wait, who the fuck is this guy, you know? Uh, Beatrice uses Ronove's presence as an example of the devil's proof. She's like, this is a demon or a devil. Uh, here he is. You know, because the devil's proof. Ooh, she summoned Will right. Nussex. <laughs> <laughs> so she proved that demons exist before his eyes. And Battler and Ronove deadass almost kiss. And Battler w- backs up and says, whoa, 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 I'm about to... <laughs> Get in a fist fight with your master. <clears throat> and he tells, uh, Ronove tells Beatrice that I'll back away from her boy toy. Yeah. He mentions how much she appreciates how livelier and less boring it is compared to when she was all alone and trapped on the island by herself. Now that there are more demons in the mix and, you know, b- battlers there to talk with her, I guess. Um, <clears throat> Beatrice tells Battler that there are more demons where Ronove came from. And it's all because Battler's starting to believe in magic. And it's allowing Beatrice to tap into her magical pow- prowess and whatever. Yeah, while we're still on Ronove, I've got to say that before reaching this part, I just couldn't understand why there was so much Battler ex Ronove fan art <laughs> and like ships. And like, I was like, where, where is it? What? It's why? this whole ass episode. But now I'm like, yeah, there's so much tension between these two. And I'm like, how did I not see this the first time around? <laughs> Anyways, we're back <laughs> in Rokujima. Maria reads a letter from Beatrice uh, for, to everybody at the table, explaining that they need to solve the epitaph and find the gold or else. So Kraus, Natsuhi, Rudolph, Rosa, Eva are all in a tizzy, fingering each other over the sent letter. We even think it's other. one of Kiza's elaborate pranks. <laughs> yeah, they're just in the dining room fingering each other in front of the kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> Get your minds out of the gutter. That's what they did. <laughs> and Kyrie suggests that maybe the letter's a real deal and Kinzo's just, you know, doing his Kinzo things and telling everybody to solve a riddle for, you know, an obscene amount of money. Uh, Ava suggests that the first one to solve the riddle would win the gold and headship as opposed to Fire Emblem Birthright. Uh, the voice in her head is coaxing her into believing that their own magical powers are that her own magical powers are, are at work. Remember, in the previous episode, the younger version of her, her imaginary friend, is like, if you believe in it, we can do it. <clears throat> the adult siblings bicker and suggest that they go directly to Kinzo and study to see if he really sent the letter. And then Rosa agrees in the uh, validity of the prize in the letter and suggests that it's a test from Kinzo. As in, you know, maybe the epitaph really is a riddle that we need to solve. And then Ava, older sibling, styles her and says, uh, Duh, of course I came up with that idea like five minutes ago. Go <laughs> die in a fire, bitch. <laughs> like everybody likes to dunk on Rosa in this in this like dining room scene. Fashionable. It's kind of sad, honestly. I think I think that's supposed to be like a, a good juxtaposition between EP2 Rosa and EP3 Rosa. Like EP2 Rosa is like, I have a gun. I can do anything. Look at these golds. Watch me stab goats. And then like you immediately. In EP3, she has a family. Like exactly. Like in EP3, immediately like everybody's like, shut the fuck up, Rosa. Like, do you even know how to read? Like, like you don't like you can't even read that letter anyway. And they were like, they were like, what do you know? <laughs> She's like that Cheem's dog meme in the corner. Like everybody's the buff Shiva and then Rosa's the little little crying sad Shiva in the corner. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, whatever you guys say. Ava's little imaginary split personality comes up and she coins her term, Heiso Demo Kanade Shinjaiba. Shinjaiba. Go die in a fire, What a classic line. Very classic. I know it. Get used to that. She says it I a lot. I just want to open everyone's eyes to the fact that there is a five-minute video on YouTube. Yeah, I think no, I think I've seen whatever Des just mentioned. Like there is a long video of every time this quote is uttered. So get used to it. Because no, no, there's... it's not the quote. It's the laugh. But she hasn't laughed yet. So oh, the laugh. Okay, well, little kid, imaginary Ava, telling her to rise up against her family, bounces around her head like a DVD screensaver <laughs> logo and. <laughs> Poor Rose is like, you're right, I am a dumb bitch baby, big sis, I will shut up now. Alright, the siblings come to an agreement to confirm the validity of the letter with Kinza and rush out like the kids leaving the classroom for the summer. And everybody else left in the dining table are like, uh, what just happened and why did they perform the musical number? What time is it from High School Musical 2? <laughs> Kyrie assures that the kids... I knew that joke would have very me. well, but if you watch High School Musical 2, you would have understood, Des. God. So, well, sorry. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'll show you later. Like you are. Like <laughs> right? We all get it except you. Now go. Tell us a long flashback. Uh, yeah, <laughs> your trauma. <laughs> Expose your trauma. Fine, I'll us. watch it right now during the episode. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll sing it for you, okay? Kyrie was left behind uh, with everybody else. Uh, assures the kids that this squabble over the money is actually for their benefit and Maria agrees that they need to have faith in their parents and if they don't believe Beatrice's magic won't work and they won't be a big happy family anymore. They all ask Maria where the letter came from and she keeps saying it's from Beatrice. Maria tells them she got the letter umbrella and magic rose from her and Kyrie asks her to explain in detail and you know Kyrie is kind of sneaky about it because she's also on the adult side of trying to milk whatever information they could get to get the gold, you know? 
But mm-hmm. Kira kind of does it in a nice way, but I still love her. Oh, oh, <laughs> I remember this scene. This scene was so funny because, ah, fuck, how was it? I think it was Eva that was crashing down on Rosa. She, she was like, you dumbass, you don't even know this, you don't even know that. And then Hideyoshi's like, Eva, calm down. Rosa is going through some tough times right now. So Rosa, that was, what is it? And then Kiria is like, Hideyoshi, you are doing the exact same Eva was doing. What the fuck? It's pretty funny because, like, even that happens, like, right after this, too. Like, the cousins leave the dining room and Badler wants to shake Kinzo's hands for, like, you know, nay-naying on all the siblings with his weird cryptic witch letter and getting them all worked up. And apparently he doesn't respond to the kids, the uh, adults, when they go to his room to ask about the letter. Uh, So it's more or less confirming that Kinzo did send the letter and wants the kids to solve the riddle, and he's not going to give them any hints or anything, and he's not going to object that it's a forgery or whatever. Um, so the siblings go back to the wherever the cousins, the children are, and they hound Maria till she cries <laughs> for details about <laughs> the letters of the origin, and she can't get a straight answer out of her because she keeps saying it's from Beatrice. So the questionings end. The cousins go to the guest house while the adults just scream at each other, and Battler's like... Okay, so I know that they're going to try to swindle Kraus out of all his money. This kind of sucks, right? And then George defends the parents with his... uh, Defends all the parents' behavior like the pick-me he is. And he continues to harass Maria about the letter. So he's like, so Maria, what about that letter? (laughs) And then Jessica's like, dude, what the fuck? (laughs) Like like Um, mother likes him? Yeah, pretty much. But the cousins discuss the validity of more than 18 people being on the island and the potential source of the letter. Um, and Jessica suggests that someone got Shannon to dress up like Beatrice in the portrait to trick Maria. Battler says maybe Kinza was able to connect with Maria's occult obsession and, like, you know, conspired with her to pull off this stunt. So at the moment, they just decide to assume that this myth- mystical 19th person, Beatrice, is real and is pulling the strings behind everything. And Jessica is reminded of the legendary Beatrice uh, inhabiting Rokinjima. There's like this urban legend that there is a ghost of Beatrice just, you know, <laughs> wrecking shit up behind the scenes. <clears throat> Ghosting around. Yeah, so... We cut back to the siblings in the dining hall discussing the contents of the witch's letter. It says, solve the epitaph so anybody who solves it can inherit the wealth in the Ushirimiya headship. And they decide to stop pointing fingers at who could have sent the letter. And Rudolph (laughs) tells Rosa to shut up and get some drinks so they can take a break. Another... You know, older sibling Rosa moment didn't make sense in context. It makes more sense when you read the novel. You see, like, all the siblings just take jabs at Rosa, and she's like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, whoever (laughs) is listening to this has read it, right? So they will get it. Right. Yeah, my favorite thing in that is, is, like, when we first, like, switch our scene back to, like, the siblings in the main mansion talking about, like, this whole money and, like, people thing, it's Cross being like, we made no progress, we have been just wasting time. And Eva's like, that's right, and the mere fact you realize that means that we don't have to waste more time anymore. (laughs) I was like, damn, Eva must just be, like, spinning straight fire. Yeah, Eva's going off. Honestly, wow. <laughs> she's laying down the law she's going to win this game you know um the adults just continue to talk about the validity of the 19th person existing or one of the 18 people being the mastermind behind this letter 
that you're like, okay, so if there's a 19th person on the island, where would they even be? Uh, so maybe the servants probably are doing stuff, but Rosa defends them and says, you know, they're probably, you know, doing servant things. It's not like they could pull off this elaborate prank. And they joke around and say maybe it's that scary urban legend of the witch of the island that's doing everything behind it. And apparently Rosa's like extremely shaken up by it for whatever reason. Um, and Ava's like, if only, you know, a magical witch would come down and solve this problem and I get all my money. In your arc, 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 arc. But that, that's not the case. <clears throat> Kyrie suggests that this 19th person, Be- uh, Beatrice, is maybe Kinza's mistress living somewhere on the island and not. So he's like, how could you? And the siblings are like, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because Natsu, he's just like, you can't sully our name like that. And everybody who's like an Ushirumiya blood relative is like, actually, <laughs> yeah. everybody was thinking of it because maybe Kinzo has, you know, a secret box, the secret piece of string in it. And if you pull that secret string, there's like a mistress hiding somewhere on the island. It's funny because... Because, like, Natsu, he's the only, he's just, she's the one in this, she's the only one who's like, yo, guys, maybe, maybe, maybe let's not do this, like, you know, Kinzo, no, he, he wouldn't do that, right? But then everyone's just dunking on Kinzo, <laughs> they even talk about, like, if, if the person I mean, who has the gold wanted to trade off Dushiromiya name, they would gladly do it. And Natsu, he's just on her Ushiromiya corner, like, but, but why? They would do it. <laughs> and Natsu, yeah. he's just, like, trying her best to say, but, but, but you guys... <laughs> Like, if you remember in the first episode, like, Kinza himself said, you're the only one who deserves to wear the one-winged eagle crest, even though she really can't. That's true. (laughs) But everybody's like, you know, there probably is, was a mistress, and she's hiding somewhere in a hidden mansion elsewhere on the island. I mean, and they're like, they say that the possibility of, like, a mistress being hidden away on the island is totally real. I mean, he also might have done that with his hidden gold. And they're all just like, yeah, we definitely knew mom was being cucked when she couldn't find Kingzo for hours. <laughs> and the servants were probably, uh, the servants also like played into that rumor. They were like, maybe he turned into gold butterflies or some shit and like came back. Calm down, woman. <laughs> That's what they told, like, no. their mom. I don't think they ever no. named the, the sibling's they mom. They never but say they all... it, that, which is, I think, the best thing never do. of all time. <laughs> I know, that's so fucking sad. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, she died paranoid because, you know, they thought he was <laughs> cheating on her on this secluded island somehow. So Kyrie says that the scary witch of the forest, urban legend, was probably the hidden mistress, like, they told all the kids to never go into the forest or the yep. witch will eat you because they're hiding a mistress. <laughs> um, so since this lady is like the common rumor of the island, it more or less confirms that there's a 19th person. Who knows? But, you know, the devil's proof. You can't confirm that the 19th person doesn't exist. So they'll continue going down this line of thought that they are actually on the island. The rumor of the island is that the mistress has been around since the family moved on to Rokinjima like 30 years prior. And honestly, if there's a mansion, a hidden mansion built as, sorry, and honestly thinking if there's a hidden mansion built for this lady, this relationship between her and Kinzo had been going on way before they moved on to Rokinjima. But not so he's trying to cover for Kinzo and saying that he's just <laughs> probably really good friends with whoever gave him the gold, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Just like normal pals. Like, just, you know, nothing going yeah, on between just them. Some yeah. gal I pals. won't tell you about who this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just gal pals. Sapphire, <laughs> you know? that, that whole deal. 
So the siblings expose Krauss's plan to make Rokinjima into a resort and ask if he's ever actually found a hidden mansion while he was surveying the island. And Krauss denies it, but they're sure he probably knows something since since Krauss is probably using the island surveying as a cover for him searching for the gold. <clears throat> and everybody takes jabs at Rosa for believing in the witch in the meantime. <laughs> And they assess the feasibility of housing a mistress for decades because, you know, if they're going to keep thinking that there's actually a 19th person mm-hmm. pulling the strings, they got to, like, you know, entertain the idea, right? So they're like, Keynes is definitely down bad enough for to let somebody be a bitch living lavish, her boyfriend, a pro athlete, he played baseball, and she happy, and y'all not. <laughs> you see what the problem is? It's perspective. And I just dumped a meme on you guys. I, I got it. I got it. it. Thank you, Lorenzo. <laughs> thank god okay so you can cut out me asking if you guys got the joke because that's like yeah, the saddest part you, like, you say Not please laugh <laughs> i said among <laughs> us <laughs> why aren't you guys laughing but i said the funny words your, uh, i liked your high school musical joke i thought that was really good was, i like yeah. this term too okay good <laughs> I gotta make sure it lands well because like at weeks later when you're editing it you're like oh my god like you said such a funny joke but nobody laughed I'm so sad for you and I'm like it's okay I'm glad there, somebody there's, got it there's times when Des say things I'm like I, then I listen to them in the f- like future I'm like oh my god that's such a funny line I'm so sad nobody got to hear it and then just like went past it I'm just gonna assume that there was lag going on like in the empty space when somebody like cuts out and cuts back in that they just said an absolute banger <laughs> so from now on I'm going to laugh as hard as I can when okay. that happens anyways <laughs> um, so speaking of you know, a hidden lady who's just been on the island for decades. They're just like, okay, so this lady's probably hella old at this point. And considering that she's been hidden on the island without anybody knowing that she exists, she was probably like under house arrest for all those years, which is kind of weird. But you remember how in the previous episode, how Be- uh, Beatrice would mention that she'd <laughs> been held captive by Kinzo? Well, you know, <laughs> probably has to do something with that. So... If this mistress exists, uh, and it's Kinzo's true wife, sorry, mom, lols, uh, the siblings surmise that she's on Kinzo's side and is against them. <clears throat> and they know that their mother and Kinzo were part of an arranged marriage, and there's a little bit of backstory on Kinzo, how he came from a, I think, what was it? It was a family trying to rise from the ashes following the Great Kanto earthquake. So their Shiromiyas were already kind of established, but... They used Kinzo as kind of a figurehead to help mm-hmm. them get back on their feet. So they basically used him as a puppet. Uh, he didn't have any control over his life when he started his 20s, and they got him into an arranged marriage. So a mistress a mistress isn't completely out of the question for him. So <clears throat> this existence of this mystery 19th person like demolishes the Ushiramiya family ranking as anybody can obtain the headship by solving the riddle. But then they're like, okay, so if this lady actually gave us the riddle to solve, doesn't that mean she has the upper hands? Doesn't she potentially have the gold or something? Uh, so it's a really weird situation because why is she even like dangling the gold in front of them in the first place? And Kiri is like, okay, well, I'm going to use my chessboard logic and say, maybe she doesn't actually have the gold. Um, because, you know, if she had the gold, would the answer really be that 
amaze balls that we just give up the headship and like the gold so everybody is like okay so there's a hidden lady on the island confirmed and this is like you know just a hallmark of, of ryukishi's writing where he goes in roundabout ways of explaining something and then going into further explanations and then coming back to what he in was this specific explaining. situation it has a very good impact because after you finish reading this scene you feel like the time that passed was actually the time that then the clock tells it passed. So, like, the fact that th- you see these people go into such conversations, it feels like a real conversation, because a real conversation goes through different ways and then comes back and then goes somewhere else again. So, in this situation, I think it's a great example of how good Ryukishi's writing can be, because even yeah, those that <laughs> it can feel like a slog, but here it is well used. Any objections? You're right, you're right. Well, I like while I was writing these notes, I just coined it as like the Ryukishi sandwich because he would expl- he would show you a topic, he'd bookend the conversation thread with the topic, okay, yeah. but in the middle, yeah. he just like throw in a bunch of analogies on top of analogies and yeah. I'm like, "We get it, dude. Come on." But I guess if you're considering that's a conversation between characters, it makes sense. But anyways, Kyrie is thinking about why the letter was sent to them in the first place. And it was probably to like cause some discord amongst everybody and have them turn on each other and then not get this riddle solved. Um, so the kids are like, maybe this Beatrice lady actually does have the gold and wants to buy the headship <laughs> off of us. And Natsuki's like, how could you guys? And all the siblings are like, well, yeah, we kind of need the money. So we will do that. So we jump to meta battler digesting this idea of a 19th person existing and he kind of like bounces ideas off of Ronove about, you know, okay, so I could just blame everything on this 19th person, right? And Ronove and Beatrice eventually comes in and they're like, okay, well, let's fucking show you running with that logic will take you. And they go in a roundabout conversation on explaining how to solve the mystery with a 19th person. I don't think I'm making much sense, but basically Battler <laughs> thinks that 19th person's on the, on the island. Beta reaches like, okay, watch what Rosa's about to say. And then Rosa says, okay, guys, I have a confession to make. I think I killed Beta Riche. And they're all like, wait, what? <clears throat> so we go back in time, 20 years prior. You see Kinzo and surprisingly the golden witch Beta Riche all decked out in her dress, just having a weird first date kind of. It, it has like weird first date vibes and Beta Riche is like, uh, Kinzo, what the hell am I doing here? And Kinzo's like, oh, you're so funny. You keep asking that question. And she's like, no, I'm serious. Like, why does everybody just keep calling me like a witch? Why does, why can't I leave? And Kinzo's like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> so Battler and Beatrice are just like, you know, conver- conversing about the situation. And Battler is like, wait, what the hell's going on? And Beatrice is like, behold, this is Kinzo keeping me captive for years and years, 20 years ago. And Battler's like, wait, what? And it gets confirmed by Red Truth that this conversation did happen 20 years prior to the story of what's going on in Rokinjima. Beatrice just explains that Kinzo trapped her in a flesh cage and now this conversation's happening. She tried to escape once by getting rid of her fl- flesh cage. She keeps calling it a flesh cage and I hate that word, but <laughs> she tried to kill herself essentially, but came back and Kinzo's, you know, got her on lockdown and here we are now. Anyways, we continued further down the flashback and Rosa's like, 
One time I got a really bad grade, so I wandered into the island and stumbled across the mansion, even though my our parents told us not to. And <laughs> there actually was a lady named Beatrice. She, we talked about zoos and stuff, and she's like, well, I don't know what a zoo is, but it sounds like I am the Beatrice <laughs> Zoo. But, sorry, sorry I, said, I didn't say it right because I have a friend who's actually... Imagine that. Yeah, well, that's what she says. I, I didn't pronounce it right because I have a friend who's actually named Beatrice Zoo. Wait, really? But, um, and it, yeah. Wait, okay, this is her last name? I will name? never show her this. Is this the Beatrice you yeah, talked like about? Yeah, like Z-H-U. Or oh, if you, you can say Jew, oh that makes sense. That's a Jew. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, like oh, the pronunciation. So, oh, is... so her name is like Red? Is that the jewel she her name is? Red. Uh, uh yeah, Z H yeah, yeah. U, but um if you pronounce it American like it's yeah, yeah, Zoo. Yeah, Jewel. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so really I was like writing funny. that and I'm like, oh my god, it's her. She was like, I I I told her about Umineko and she's like, I can never read it because it has my name in it. And I was like, oh my god, wait, this is exactly why she can't <laughs> read this, because it they basically say her name. But she's like uh, Rosa, Rosa, uh, young Rosa, twenty years ago, is like, okay, do you want me to like take you out? And Beatrice is like, uh, yeah, take me on a trip. I want to go someplace. <laughs> American boy style. Take me to Dragonland. <laughs> take me to your Fortnite, Rosa. <laughs> take me to your Xbox so we can play Fortnite today, Rosa. <laughs> No, it's just saying, they're just saying oh, there sure. is a really amazing uh, Fortnite uh, version of Umineko. I found an edit of it. Did, wait, Lorenzo, have you not seen it yet? Okay, I'm going to send it. No, I, okay. I saw it. I saw it's it. so good. <laughs> But yeah, so Rosa offers to take Beatrice out of here, and she's like, thank God, I'm tired of being called Beatrice. I'm tired of wearing this dress, and I'm tired of being trapped in this mansion called Kuidorian. And they just leave. And it's kind of sad because, like, it really seems like Beatrice never left the grounds of the mansion. Like, she never knew there was an outside world, so she keeps asking this 10-year-old, like, hey, what's this? What's that? What's this? And, like, you know, what's a school? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And then Rosa's like, I'm 10, but I will lead you off of this island, I think, or wherever I think we can go. So she gets lost because, again, she's 10. They go to the beach because she thinks it's easier to, like, travel along the shore. But first, (laughs) they have to, like, descend off this cliffside. And (laughs) (laughs) Tariche slips and fucking dies. (laughs) And that's it! And... (laughs) <laughs> Did you try to sing me Among Us? Uh, no, <laughs> it's not the Among Us. Oh, 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 the, uh, the, uh, um, what's it, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Just yeah. side <laughs> Yeah, okay, anyway, um, we didn't mention this, but the place that she's from, the place she lives in is called Kuadorian, and it's, like, means, like, nine bird retreat. It's like one of yes. those fucking names, man. It's like all of these ands, like <laughs> right, right. But just know that the hidden mansion has a name. It's called Kuadorian, and it is confirmed in red to have existed as well. Yeah. So there's an island. There's a hidden lady. She got fucking murder killed by this ten year old Rosa. <laughs> yeah, and totally. Rosa's like, oh my god, what happened? So she tries to like wake up <laughs> the dead body, and then eventually just like runs away, and then. We see the spirit of Beatrice rise from the body and she's like, oh, poor Rosa, you did free me from my imprisonment. I thank you. And then we go and see that meta Beatrice is like, and then I plotted my master plan. 20 years of just stewing over this. I I uh, saw Kinzo trying to revive me with this ritual that involves 13 sacrifices. And you know what that is? 
Epitaph. <laughs> and then Battler's like, oh, what the fuck? Kinzo was planning this from the beginning. <clears throat> Battler kind of just like stews over what what the weird homunculus talk that she talked about. One of the scenes I think it's really funny is that like, like because Battler is like reacting so insensitive about this whole thing. He's like, what is this all about? Like, ah, oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, like, right. And then Beatrice is <laughs> just like, what the fuck like i told you a story about my life and now you're just like making fun of me about this like what yeah like and she he, just, he hurts her feelings so bad and she just fucking leaves she's like i'm just gonna go get some snack and you just sit here and think about how what a <laughs> shitty person you are <laughs> honestly it's kind of sad but then like um i think there's this weird there's a weird line in it where she gets disappointed she leaves in a huff and then battle is like oh she looks kind of cute maybe it's because of her double x chromosomes oh <laughs> and i was like that was disgusting that's the worst thing ever of course i would leave the room if i was in oh room definitely that's one of the worst but, fucking um, lines that he ever says man <laughs> so then battler and renove are just like talking about it and he's like okay so there is a 19th person right and renove is like uh yeah so just go with that line of thinking and then they shoot and then the shit he a says bit, the really then, famous red uh, line of red truth which is he says in 1967 in a hidden mansion on okinjima beatrice sama exists as a human and he's like, oh, wow, that's really helpful. I didn't think you would give me such a helpful fucking, like, hint, like, or, like, red truth. Right? Ronove gets called away by anime schoolgirl number one, Lucifer, and then Lucifer just kind of taunts Beatrice and says, uh, Battler, I'm going to peg you oh, so hard, taunts- and then Battler says... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to oh. peg you back but you know he doesn't have that girl boss energy that Lucifer had so it kind of like falls flat. Beatrice eventually comes back and says, "Okay, I've cooled off. Now that I've shown you my flashback, I can confidently say in red that there are no more than 18 humans on Rokinjima." And then Battler's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and that's the end of our Yay. summary. Yay. Thank God. Thank you for sticking with us for so long. If you haven't read past this part, aka if you haven't read the rest of Umineko, uh, tune out. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. See cats, do crimes. See you later. If you have read past this point and finished Umineko, we are going to go in depth on what we just experienced. Because, boy, what a doozy of exposition did we just do. (laughs) So, yeah. Spoilers warning. All right, welcome back. We are going to discuss spoilers. There is so much to unpack here. Uh, you guys want to just like talk about it? Okay. Talk mm. about your thoughts. So, and does any? Mm. So, did anybody show up with notes yet? Uh, so, do you want to talk about that? Um, and huh? also, on a really random note, uh, I w- I had two things I wanted to ad- oh I have one thing I wanted to address uh, from the past that I was listening to the end of your the your guys EP2 thing that I mm. wanted to talk about that's reflected in this Yeah, scene. go for it. Okay. So the thing I wanted Shoot. to mention is that like so you know about how uh, in EP2 EP2 is all about like killing everybody else, leaving Rosa alive and having and having the whole like happy Halloween Maria on the door and how in the ending scene Beatrice is torturing like mm-hmm. Rosa I forgot, was yes. Ambi the person who mentioned it, or was Desperate the person that mentioned it? But I don't remember, but it's about how, why would basically Beatrice pick out Rosa to be the specific person she tortures? And I think somebody mentioned that I do oh. agree that I think, it was it you, Des? Uh, yeah, I went pretty in-depth, so you may be thinking about me. Okay. So uh, I was thinking that like it makes a lot of sense that like it's retribution. Like I think somebody brought up that word retribution, like as in Beatrice is revenging 
her mother in that scene, basically. Oh, no, basically. that wasn't really? me. I think that was Zombie, okay. actually. I, mean, did I you, don't remember I didn't if I said that, that in the episode, because I actually think you're remembering me saying that, because I think I've talked about this before, but, like, in private with you, like, a, like a long time ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting detail, because I was thinking, I was like, is it a blessing or a curse for Rosa to live to the end of EP2? And I feel like the happy happy Halloween Maria thing is more like, hey, Maria, like, I'm doing you a solid, I'm killing everybody off, but leaving your mother with you, like, you know, like, just like you wanted me to, or, or like, so on and so <laughs> forth, or at least leaving Maria to live in the end, because that's basically what Beatrice always promised Maria, like, that I would always revive, you would always be ke- kept alive until the end so you can revive your mom, basically. So... That's like having a difficult time understanding what I'm saying. What was that noise you just made? No, because I was, because I was picturing what you were describing. So I was just imagining, wow, what a great gift, Beato! Thank you for killing my whole family and sparing me oh, and oh, my Oh, Maria, Maria doesn't care. Maria does not care. Maria's like, yeah, like sucks to be them, man. Like, like I don't know. She doesn't. She does not care about her family anymore. Anyway, the point of the story is, is that actually it makes a lot of sense to me that Beatrice will forever torture Rosa specifically because she does have gripes with these individual people. Like, one of the reasons, that's why Natsuhi is the person who lives until the end in EP1 because Natsuhi was the person who tossed her off a fucking cliff. And that's why she tortures Rosa because Rosa actively killed her mother. Or, not actively, Mm. but you get the point. So I wanted to mention that because I was like, oh, this reflects in this scene. Which is exactly what happens. I mean, it is, like, very accident-prone. I mean, like, we joke that, like, Rosa killed Beatrice. And Rosa says that herself, like, in her own words. But, like, oh, yeah. it's completely yeah. an accident. And which makes the scene even more tragic. Like, it's sad. It's sad as fuck. I mean, I think the sadder part was, like, just before how this is a grown-ass woman who, like, doesn't know anything about the outside world. And Rosa's, like, you know, a 10-year-old. And she's like, this is weird. Yeah. yeah and then two seconds after she leaves, it's, like, dead. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like this is, like, genuinely, like, like Beatrice. Oh, that's another thing. Like, Rosa probably doesn't have that many friends. Like, she grows, she grew up on, like, she lives on this, like, empty ass island with all her fucking siblings Mm -hmm. so much older than her. Like, I'm pretty sure this is, like, when she lives here, um, like, I think at that time, Cross is almost getting married with Natsuhi or something. Like, like everybody left or something. And, like, probably talking to Beatrice is, like, the first time she's getting, like, respected by, like, a actual, a more like somebody who's older than her and talking to her in like a normal way that doesn't make her feel like a fucking idiot or want to kill herself like you know <laughs> yeah. yeah rosa's the youngest right right, right. yes rosa's yes. Yeah, she's so a baby. much younger than all of them i think she's like at wow. least like five years yeah or no think, sorry no no, no at no, least no. 10 I years i think it's like 10 years because yeah. she's like probably like 30 ish in the story 30, and then 35. everybody else is in their 50s yeah yeah, yeah. I think, okay, like, yeah. she's, like, yeah. at least, like, 10 to 15 years younger than everybody. I love how you said, like, yeah. uh, she probably doesn't have many friends. When you, well, I think, all, like, uh, basically all the siblings don't... I feel like all the siblings don't really have that well relationships with other people. Oh, uh, Rudolph does. Rudolph fucks yeah. every living human being that's watched. <laughs> 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 oh, but while we're on the topic of dates, I would like to throw back to that conversation slash discussion we had about the fucking time frame of when the family moved to the island because we've got some very conflicting lines here because 
First off, uh, they are talking about the first time they moved to the island. And they throw the date of 30 years ago. And everyone agrees that the family moved 30 years ago. But then when Rosa is telling when she, the is talking about when she met Beato, she's saying that was when they first moved to the island. And then they ask her, so 20 years ago? And she was like, yeah, 20 years ago. So like, is it 30 years ago or is it 20 years ago? And the conclusion we collectively kind of ended up reaching is that maybe what they meant is that since since the, the construction of two whole mansions may take a while, probably what happened was Kinzo moved first to the island to, you know, to take a look at what was happening and also because Coadorian and he doesn't want other people to know about that. So he was probably like, I'll move first and see how things go and then you come back when the mansion is finished. And so Kinzo went 30 years ago, but the family itself only moved 20 years ago. But the reason they say the family first moved 30 years ago is because Kinzo is ahead. So the, the concept of the family moves with the head. So... Does this still make sense to you, Mushroom, who was there on the discussion? And does this yeah, make sense I, to you, Ambient Lorenzo? Totally, uh, yes. I agree with that statement. I think, um, I think, I feel like if you're gonna fucking move your whole ass family to an island that wasn't cultivated, I feel like it takes a fucking while, man. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, the island is a lot bigger than I remember it being. Uh, I, so it, it was really hard to, uh, picture that like the entire thing would just blow up because i imagined it so much smaller um in that kind of scenario i guess ep3 put it into like a like a context of like this island is a lot bigger than uh i first uh, thought i mean i think the mm. island is big but also small at the same time i feel like the problem about the island it's not that it's big it's like it's uncultivated like literally like only like a corner of the island has like a yeah. mansion, a flower garden, another mansion, and like that's it. Like like as in like and a fucking chapel. Like and like the Wait, so rest. Does the whole thing blow up? No, no, only the no, Lokanjima no, no, part no. because you only, can only the Lokanjima. Oh, yeah. okay, I misremembered. Because you can run okay, so... far away enough to like escape the yeah, explosion. Yeah, because Kuadorian didn't blow up. That's yeah. the whole reason why Eva survives in the end of EP3 because she was in yeah. Kuadorian and that didn't blow up. Right. Uh, and also in EP4, you get to see what it looks like. Well, when you eventually get to EP4, you actually see it like blows up like a crescent moon because like the whole middle like not the whole middle the whole corner of the island gets blown up but like yeah. the rest is still there that's why uh um uh, that's why angel actually gets to like step onto the island yes. she just goes to a part that wasn't blown up yet and i was being stupid yeah. and was like why didn't she go to the mansion <laughs> well actually i i love that reveal like i love the fact that umineko takes so fucking long to get to the point like you know like when you get to ep3 ending you're like okay so everybody's dead and now we're in a future and then like it's still like like it's funny because like i'm literally watching dubs read um umineko right now where dubs is like wait why is it like why do they mean but they don't have any evidence like there's so many bodies like what the fuck are they talking about and i was like oh he doesn't know that the fucking island is blown up but he he knows the rest of the story except the explosion <laughs> Which is literally the biggest part of the story, which is, like, insane. Like, that literally triggers off so many more questions than answers. I know? mean, yeah, I didn't get that there was an explosion until I think it's in episode... Is it halfway through episode six when it, Erica's tooltip says that she died no, in the explosion? No, they say... 
they tell you that in EP4, right? Like, they show you what the fucking... Don't... Wait, am I going crazy? I'm pretty sure they tell you... Wait, in... do they not tell you this explosion until, like, way later in the... Uh, in the so, story? I figured... Yeah. I, I, I learned of the explosion when I looked at Erica's character portrait, and she was like, she disappeared in the Rokinjima explosion incident. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Yeah, uh they don't I don't think they overtly tell you about the explosion. I think happens at the end of EP4 or okay. maybe may, because they I think the they islands, show you the but, um, uh maybe maybe in EP5. I don't know. Actually Yeah. <laughs> God. When you zoom out like when when you're rereading <laughs> it, okay, sorry. Zooming out and looking at the giant crater in the island is like very analogous to just rereading Umineko because like all the answers are so obvious now now that you know what happens but like the way it was written into the story it's so discreet and like there's so many red herrings you can't tell I mean currently like the not. chapter we just so. finished reading which is the witches in the forest and the the possibility of 19 person is literally like the most like they are literally handing it to you man like they are literally they did oh my fucking god like at the end of it i was like so stupid i was like okay so what does this have to do with the story and i'm like now that i'm reading like they literally told you like they literally told you they're like there's a mistress she lives in this fucking mansion she probably had a fucking baby with him like you know like and they're like and and now so but were even but were even reasons out that probably the the baby died and then the, the not the baby died the the mother died while giving birth to the baby, and that's the metaphor yeah, that Beato is using but... to sell this story. But <laughs> the reasons this out? We're just stupid. Like, <laughs> it literally yeah. is really ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, this is also a great example of Butler's character development. Now he's starting to get how, how to fight against the witch. He's starting to realize it's all riddles. The implication that Ronove is kind of a, a homo. <laughs> uh, it, and his history with Kinzo makes me think that they definitely just like kissed at least whoa, once, whoa, you know, whoa. just just a little bit on the list. Have I shown you that meme, which is the uh, Renove? Like they like this is a picture <laughs> of my dad and his best friend Renove with David Bowie, David Bowie or something. The 1950s in Vietnam, and they're like, uh, and then it's just like Erica replies like your dad your dad and that guy totally fucked like do you know what i'm talking yeah no that's probably what happened wait wait, I mean, wait but okay I think... we have to talk about this i i actually i i wrote this <laughs> i don't know if you saw this but i wrote like an hour ago i uh messaged that i said i was gonna talk about this but okay okay uh, yeah. dubs didn't even realize renove was genji for like or, or was supposed to be like a genji character because it's renove Vo is like what it, it's like R- runaway run away yeah. yeah exactly so he didn't know that but the thing is is that like why is gen yeah. well, no sorry why is Renove so gay like why is it written to be so gay so okay i have a very good point so i think i don't <laughs> remember where i read this from maybe i read this from rambling of the golden witch oh no i definitely read this from the rambling of the golden witch shout out to rambling of the golden witch the best tumblr blog of all time <laughs> I, just to everybody who ever wants any questions or just like really good insight, just go read it. Like it's literally the best blog. But I was thinking like, why is Renove so gay? And so like Kumazawa and like Virgilia's personality is like kind of similar in a way, but like maybe it's like taken away more of the jokey side, but like to go for like, 
And like, but like, but Renove's character and Genji is like very mm. opposite in a way, yeah, or like overly opposite in a way. And mm-hmm. I was thinking that like, so in the Rambling of the Golden Witch talks about this, which is that like, to Sayo who doesn't really know what like be having like gender identity, being queer, being gay, or whatever that means, um, uh, I think like Sayo doesn't think that she's gay, like as in like gay as in like like a label she doesn't think that she's gay like as in she like as in like she thinks she's straight well no matter which way she is like approaching this topic like she is straight when she's with jessica she's straight when she's with george she's been straight with her fantasies with Fowler. um and i think for her yeah. to trying to rationalize it she made renove into the most campy gay possible like renove is literally the <laughs> like the poster child of like camp gay like overtly flirtatious with his like oh i am a gentleman like of the night like kind of like that with his like pencil (laughs) like with his like pencil mustache which is like literally (laughs) revokes like john waters in my brain immediately which is the gay like you know like i so like i think lip-wristed and everything exactly exactly (laughs) so like when they do the English dub of Renove, he's definitely going to have the gay voice, uh, battler. Uh, do you want some of my cookies? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> Just kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, like, so the point of the story is that I think Sayo wrote these characters to basically delegate her thoughts on, like, what's being straight, what's being gay, how does her attraction mm-hmm. work. And I think she, like, overly wrote like a stereotypical gay, gay guy, guy as... to be like, I'm not like him, though. Like, I think. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So that's, that's a my, pretty good point. Like, so like, uh, and I mean, mm. like, and I like, if I think about it, like, it makes a lot of sense. Like, because like, technically speaking, like, we could like, instead of thinking about this, like, why did like, um, New Kishi wrote these characters? Like, you can think about like, why did Sayo wrote these characters? Like, when we get to like, why did Sayo make like Gap and make like. Virgilia the way they are like we could totally talk about it like it's just very interesting like I and I and I think like that really shows like I think it's really interesting that like Renove is a campy gay and that's just how it ended <laughs> like like yeah he's just like a gay stereotype like it's, I just think that's funny it is he is that's a really good point that you brought up because I like it went over my head I got the vibe from him but I was just like Huh, that's kind of weird, and I don't think he's connected to Genji in any way. So let's move on. <laughs> but oh, but yes, gay, you... uh, Genji totally closeted really... Repress gay, like obvious. Like, why would he stick with Kinzo this exactly. whole time? You know, they were so, like ro- so repressive, they were... <laughs> and they were just like, oh, I remember, like he was so popular with the ladies back then, but you know, he never settled with anyone, and he just decided to stick with me this whole time. <laughs> I don't know why. It's <laughs> a mystery. Th- this conversation has made me have a realization because. You know that meme about... Oh, is he gay or European? Is he gay or is he European? Is he he gay or European, you know? Because, like, you're talking about this this stereotypical gay, and I'm like, that's just a gentleman. (laughs) What? That's just (laughs) European. (laughs) Like, the the stereotype is not that here. <laughs> oh my god. Like this well, yeah, stereotype that's here that's is, is flam- flamboyance. <laughs> that that's the stereotype. 
Is he gay or is he European? That's fucking yeah. funny. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. Des, and, you know what? I'm so glad we do have a European in our call. To tell us some fucking Americans that you know what? Showing um, same gender friends doesn't have to be like homoerotic. It just has to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a guy. Uh, fellas, is it gay to That's be really friends funny. with oh other God. guys? <laughs> or is it European? Or is it European? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it Europe style, yeah. guys. Uh, okay, enough legally blonde lyrics. <laughs> God. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. I think I mentioned this. I did mention this before, but uh, when Renova introduced himself as like you know the level twenty seven demon, <laughs> the legend twenty seven. <laughs> Uh, it just like brought out how how much of a was it an otaku oh, totally. Sayo is in terms of just like oh, yeah. going deep into like you know underworld lore. How she's just like, oh yeah, um, Renove is you know the level twenty seven demon, uh, and the seven stakes are also just like high level demons, and I can summon all of them because I'm so cool and I'm like the master witch who can control absolutely everything. And she's a whale because I have no real power in my actual life. I know it's kind of sad because she escapes through this really intricate fantasies to, you know, break away from what's her reality. Mm. And Rosa even mentions how when she went back to the Corridorian Beatrice on how naive she was and how much she believed in magic and all that stuff. It was very, you know, it was very good characterization, I'd say. Yeah. On how... You know, Sayo slash Beatrice. Yeah, I like how you mentioned mm-hmm. that it was sad because that's that's very true too. Like it, like even though it's really cool to see, um, that like ah yeah, it's it's her wish for my OC fantasy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like at the same time, like it's it's very tragic to think to think that's like mm-hmm. uh, that's how sure. they had to cope. Um, and oh, also the the mention of like summoning more demons and how Beatrice says it's more lively and less alone. That's a real Sayo moment, you know, because. Now that all these magical entities are being summoned because she has someone to talk to, aka Battler, mm-hmm. it's becoming a lot less isolated for Beatrice slash Sayo. Yeah, and yeah. Continue. Well, yes. While we're still on that topic, and bridging back with yeah. Butler's character development, Butler is starting to kinda, kinda accept magic on a meta level, and that's interesting because, yeah. and also. Okay, this is gonna bring all of the topics together, even Ranovez, because I did not realize how integral Ranovez is to making Butler and Beato closer. Because, okay, in EP2, we saw that Butler mm-hmm. straight from being hostile towards Beato to being a bit more playful with her. But now in EP3, right. Beato needs Butler to actually feel bad for her. Otherwise, the twist at the end won't work. So... So, Ranove mm-hmm. is super important because even though he isn't a super bad guy, because of the way he interacts with both of them, they can kind of bond over how much they despise Ranove's remarks sometimes. And so they kind of grow a bit closer. Mm-hmm. Haha. And by the end, they are so close that Butler almost signs a contract to accept magic. Oh, man. The ultimate wingman. But also, doesn't that mean he was just kind of, you know, on Beatrice's side trying to trick him into believing magic? Oh, definitely. Who knows? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, you bring a good point because towards the end, when he accidentally hurts Beatrice's feelings by being like, "I'm I'm done with your bullshit," and then Ronove is like, "Oh well, you know, she might be kind of <laughs> weird, but she she just wants a friend, you know." Yeah, 
that's that's kind of like what Ronove gets in Battler's Head towards the end of this segment that we covered. Mm-hmm. Any other yes, thoughts? Because I there do was have like many uh, other thoughts. Go for okay, it. Okay, so yeah, I remember in a previous episode that I pointed out how much Jessica almost reaches the fucking no, she does. She she reaches the 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 answer just by bullshitting her way through, through, the, through her thoughts and in this way it happens again she just spouts out some nonsense that she's so like maybe... okay what if this is what's going on and she's actually right the sh- like the Shannon like she said that Shannon yeah, dressed yeah. up in front that's, of Maria that's a... yeah that's what I was about to say Which yeah. is ju- just, <laughs> just makes me think about how Jeshka is always so goddamn close to understanding Sayo but she just stops thinking yeah. But like also in her defense <laughs> she's got... in her defense her her parents die and she's like filled with rage in EP2 so okay I can understand you stopping thinking there right. I don't recall what's going to happen in EP3 but I guess it's kind of going to be the same thing to where she's just filled with rage and that's why she stops thinking but it's kind of maddening how Jessica right. is always so close to fucking granting Sayo's wish. She just has all her points allocated to perception <laughs> and nothing else. Oh, <laughs> Wisdom, intellect, um, <laughs> it's just, zero. That's really, that's so true. Yeah, I just think, head empty. I think, oh yeah, speaking about that, I actually saw a recent r slash Umineko uh, thread in which somebody was like, haha, I, I love Natsuhi and Natsuhi's such a, su- such so dumb, like she's the best dumb character that's ever written. And then people actually went to <laughs> in the in the thread and wrote extremely like like extremely detailed things about like well Nazi's not dumb like she is she gets easily overwhelmed she's also with like the Usurumiya family like she appears to be dumb in front of these people because she gets flustered and she gets like she gets overrun with emotion and she basically gets steamrailed by like like Eva all the time and or like Rudolph and Kitty and like that's the same idea as like Rosa who are both like who if they had a better environment could definitely f- like f- like grow and become better people and but completely got their growth stunted because they fucking married they either was born into the Ushiromiya family or just like or married <laughs> or into married it. into it also on another <laughs> random note the rambling of the golden witch uh the the the, the whole thing about is Genji gay or not gay, that shit, like, is he gay or European shit, uh, is the, I just posted a link to it, and the best thing is, it's written five years ago, and it's very long, and has a lot of pictures, and has a lot of sources, and it only has 12 fucking notes, like, nobody fucking reblogged this or hearted it, what is wrong with these people, what? like, it's Aww. so good, I, I, I say, like, a good afternoon well spent is either reading Rambling of the Golden Witch or going to Umineko TV trips. Okay, so make that uh, 13 notes. I'll, I'll give it a like. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll give it a like. And then I'll go to see who gave the l- like last so I can go stalk your Tumblr. Oh, no. Okay, just kidding. No, no. <laughs> I, um, I don't want to dox any Tumblrs here. <laughs> I mean, like... Ever since they got rid of the porn, I don't think it's that bad. But I it's know still it's really sad. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna forever weep for the like the goodbye to the porn blogs of the Tumblr. Purge. Yeah, I know. Everyone moved to Twitter, but like I think Twitter sometimes like dredges up some good Tumblr screen caps. Like um, I think last week I saw one that was somebody said, "Oh, everybody, we moved schools the other day," and then somebody replies <laughs> that says that just says, "Good for you, cunt." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my Tumblr. I have. I had a Tumblr since 2014, so I have cringe as fuck content nice. on here. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There are two Same. sides <gasps> after the whole Tumblr thing uh, that people move to. It's to Twitter, and then the rest to TikTok. 
That's okay, I, I have one last important thought that I wanted to touch upon. So yeah, my last thought is about... I, I talked about this on the server. It's about how Rudolf could have saved Droza and in turn have saved both of them from the spiral, downward spiral that is Dushiromia family. Because if we go back some time when they were all essentially young and like... Because, okay, why is Kraus bad? Kraus is bad because he, he inherited many of Kinzo's way of thinking and also he had to, to like try to satisfy Kinzo. And Eva exactly, is bad yeah. because she really has to prove her worth to these two people who essentially control her life, both directly and indirectly. But then Rudolf, mm -hmm. Rudolf, he's just kind of like, okay. He's a fuckboy. Yeah, because like Kraus and Neva are caught up in their own shit. Rudolf is just kind of there. Sometimes he gets insulted, but like sometimes he has to to go along with Evas and Kraus bashing on Rosa. Because if he doesn't, then he's gonna be the one being bashed by them. But if Rudolf right. mm -hmm. had decided at one point in his childhood to oppose these two and side with Rosa, we could have a completely different Ushiromiya family now. Well, Rosa probably yeah. wouldn't have been have been caught by this man when she was down and forced into, essentially forced into signing a contract that would tear her life to shreds. And both of them would be kind of happier now. I mean, that's, we're literally saying what ifs. Like, everything could be a what if. What if Rosa didn't actually kill Beatrice the second, the first okay. time she, like, locked eyes with her? Maybe, like, she could, like, live, like, maybe she could go visit, like, Beatrice the second. And maybe actually not, like, cause her to die. Maybe she could, like, anything could have happened if Rosa okay, went yes, to tell yes. anybody about this. Like, I mean, like, that's the whole thing. That's that's why Last Note of the Golden Witch is bad. Because for fucking Asumu <laughs> to show up to be like... <laughs> and solve everything. Yeah, like, like no, what no, if no. I didn't die? It would solve everything. Like, bitch, anything. If anything was different, it would have altered, like, altered the whole concept of Umi <laughs> yes, Like, literally. Like, yes, yes. What do you want to say, Death? Say it to her fucking face, man. <laughs> you want me to say Jesus. it to your fucking face? I will say it to your fucking face. So, Mushroom, the reason this what if is so fascinating to me is because, unlike... With Rosa, um, basically killing Beato II, she was a kid and she had almost, like, she didn't have much to play in that. And with Asumu, that's a forgery, that's out of the picture. But with Rudolf, this is something <laughs> that was completely in his hands and it's something that could easily change the course of the family. And like Why all of the other what-ifs, they are much more different to change. No, I mean, there's so many good what-ifs. Like, I mean, like, they, like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, I think, like, it's kind of ridiculous to say that, like, Asumu, like, I mean, like, what if fucking Natsui did have a fucking child? Like, what if Natsui didn't fucking throw the baby off the cliff? Like, that's a what-if. That's a what-if that fucking exists. Like, I don't know. I just don't. Okay, so the point is, okay, I love how I just can't help but hate on Last Note now the more I think about it. Like, I wish I could go back to the time without me reading Last Note because I would have been yeah. a better and happier person. I don't know how this happened to you, Mushroom. You went from kinda enjoying Last Note to Loki not liking and now you absolutely hate the thought of Last, of last Note. You can't even stand <laughs> the idea of being pain. inside your head for more it than two seconds. It makes me so sad. It makes me... It's like... 
it's it's story ruining. It's just like very story ruining. <laughs> it makes me sad. Last time I think that came out like way after. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Why don't why don't people keep doing that? Why? <laughs> <laughs> First, yeah, like can you make I don't need it. <laughs> like exactly like like hands off your creation stop tinkering with it i liked it the first time you don't have to fucking... <laughs> you gotta milk it you have to milk it uh, <laughs> i just i don't know but... do we uh renove renove saying the red truth about the beatrice having that conversation in 1967 or something uh amazing yes. that's such a good red truth you know mm-hmm. like it yeah. really fucked with everybody's mind you know Good shit. I mean, it went over my head, I mean, <laughs> so it, I'm free. I mean, well, I mean, it's good because like it's she, because Beatrice Beatrice can't say I was there. She just said, like that's why Renove had to be the one to say it. Because... Right. I like the explanation on how the red truth can't has to be used sparingly and in like a particular way. Otherwise, you know, you'll end up in a stalemate. Like Battler will learn the truth too soon or wait Des, do you not and, know like, that why did you just gasp at that moment that's the whole no, point because, of Renove because, saying the red huh? because i was i oh, no, analyzed that again? scene from a different perspective because like i analyzed that scene from the perspective of Renove can say the red truth because he's beato's servant so he's only saying the red truth because beato would have wanted him to say the red truth but i did not think about the wording well, yes, yes, but like, but like, the whole point is that like Beatrice made him say the red truth, so Battler could think that Beatrice lives for that long. But the whole point is that like Beatrice couldn't say that truth because she yeah, couldn't yeah, say yeah, yeah. I had it's that super, conversation super with Kingsley. Thank you for yeah. sharing that thought. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. We're thinking about who this Beatrice person was. Kyrie was like, maybe she already won the like solved the riddle and is you know giving us hints. It was. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's exactly what happened. Just from ideas being thrown around and whatnot. And I also wanted to point out the uh, earlier when I mentioned the Ryukishi sandwich and how he kind of just rambles on analogies and whatever. It was very, it's very similar to how somebody would have a conversation mm. with themselves inside their heads, which is also, <laughs> you know, exactly what's happening. It was very. Oh my god! I've got to say the worst. <laughs> you of get it now, right? Like, like the worst example of that. It's when they start talking about fucking cookies in the box. Like they say the same thing three times. The Hempel's Raven. The, that's the that's Raven. exactly. That's exactly where I wrote that note. I was like, wow, it's almost like you know somebody's just trying to figure out what this fallacy means in their head. It's like rambling, uh, which is really cool. Yes, and that's why I think it works really well in Higurashi because you know. Characters go think in loops and then things play out in certain ways when you're not thinking rationally and you have the only ally you have is yourself. But that's yeah, a we're going to have to cut that out. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, know. Whoever said that, it. I... In... Yeah, but that gave me another random. Thought. I don't know. <laughs> that, that I mean, it, it's, a minor, it's, minor. That... it's a minor. It's minor. It's a minor, minor thought. <laughs> don't know. He's always. Did you guys also notice if you didn't, you will start noticing this all the time now. Renove is always asking if you would like some tea. He just doesn't shut up about tea. Like, he shows up, would you like some tea? Someone's having a mental breakdown, would you mm-hmm. like some tea? Something major just happens, 
uh, what is that <laughs> thing called? The T is gay. Um, fuck. Why am I? What? He is gay, Bruno's love. Oh, God, I am literally Wait, what? Butchering. I have no idea what you were trying Shut to do. Shut up, MB. You know what I'm talking about. You're a bad friend. Uh, he is Wait, love. Phone is love. Phone is sex. Uh, it's, it's... He is gay, fruit is sex, phones are love. Yeah, yeah is that what I'm saying? It's, am a, I it's right? a sweatshirt. <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> Wait, right? I'll link it. It's T is love, uh, phone is sex. Uh, what are you talking about? Fuck. Are you linking it? <laughs> it's T is gay, phone is sex, phones are love. Yes, yes, Food it's for, it's for, it's, um, it's Sherlock. What is that? It's Sherlock. It's the, it's the fucking oh. BBC Sherlock. Uh, that's from Sarah Z's video. T is gay, food is sex, phone is love, phone are love. Like, is it's, it's. that the, what Sherlock is about? Fuck BBC Sherlock. Just saying that. <laughs> fuck that show. <laughs> Just throw that out there. <laughs> Just putting that out there. If you, if you were watching, the, if you were listening to their podcast and think that I liked BBC Sherlock, now I'm just going to tell you I hate it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Des, yes. do you want to yes, talk I about have anything? Yes, which goes back to what we discussed at the end of EP. Of the. Of, fuck. What we talked about two episodes ago when we finished EP2 and we were talking about Bear, but what the fuck? We were talking mm-hmm. about Bern and you, Ambi, suggested that maybe the reason she changes so much over the course of the story is because she's seeing if she likes the role that she's playing, right? And so I was editing the episode and I was like, I am fucking yeah. dumb. It's not Bern that changes sides. It's we change sides. But still, the, the questions... We change Ma. sides because we go from what? wanting to find to like to fight Beato to wanting to defend Beato. But Bern is always on the side of wanting to fight Beato. So that's why she turns into an antagonist. That's a good point. But but yeah, but that's not the point that's I'm trying really to make. Point. Yeah. Because, yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that until you now. I was gonna say, because speaking of which, I I, I was gonna have some <laughs> notes, but I lost them and the only uh surviving note I found is just a bullet point that says Burton has sell huh? Sanders. What is that supposed to mean? That's a- <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't Burn know. I don't know Sanders. why I wrote that. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> Burton Castell Sanders 2019. You oh, heard it here I would first, not folks. want to live in a country with uh, ruled by Burton. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is that <laughs> because, I I, I, as I said, I, I wanted to know why Burton goes from being apathetic to being a complete asshole. And so, like, the, the answer I kind of found is that at the start, she, as you said, she's seeing if she likes the role she's in. So she's helping Butler. And that's why she is empathetic towards Butler, especially because he's in a similar situation. And so she helps Butler. But that Butler is fucking incompetent. And so she goes and fetch Anji, fetches Anji. But then Anji turns out to also be incompetent. And so she, she goes from mm-hmm. being no emotions, fucking resting <laughs> bitch face to getting kind of salty that these pieces that she has to work with are fucking useless and so she creates a piece of of her own she creates Furudo Erika and then she starts getting prideful about what her piece is achieving but in the end Furudo Erika gets completely destroyed like Butler wipes the floor with her yeah, and that's yeah, when completely own. annihilated. Yeah, exactly. Owned with facts and yeah. logic. Yeah, and just... that's when Bern is like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this game. I'm fucking killing this game board. Like honestly, I... she basically rage quits the game. Except instead of walking away, she goes back and fucking destroys the CD. 
I mean, yeah, like, I think, like, uh, like, Burns' experience as a gamer is, like, she's so fucking mad at the game that not only she breaks her CD, she breaks the computer, she, like, shows up at the developer's house, and then, like, absolutely, like, and then, like, finds, like, a, like, a computer. Harasses them on Twitter. Yeah, like, no, no, yes, harasses them on Twitter. No, she, like, she makes, like, she basically, okay, this is what Burn does. Burn not only, like, Burn is like enjoying the game and she plays the game more and at a point she's like I fucking hate this game so much she makes like <laughs> sock accounts like Erica to go harass to troll yeah. the shit out of the like like and like just like literally docked developer and then at a certain point like she gets to like EP7 she's like maybe if I hire like a professional to do this they can write a hit piece on this person and then Will didn't even do that for her, and she's like, "Whatever, fuck it. Like, let's just show up to the developer house and like no, take them the on." Biggest... <laughs> and then she just shows up to like fucking murders, <laughs> like murders the whole game. Man. And don't That's forget how it when she essentially says, "Hey, developers, look at this. I essentially did the same shit you did, but in five minutes. See, you're getting shit, and I can totally do something better." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I just I find Burns' character extremely interesting, and I also just find that her frustration just like very intriguing. She like, like I just like I said, like I don't think I don't personally think Burn is that smart. Um, I think we have had this like whole conversation <laughs> about it. Like I feel like she's she is ten. I mean, she's just more like she was brutal. A... Like she's just cool. Like she just gets really hung up about shit. And then just is really fucking petty. I mean, aren't I aren't it. witches, but anything but just petty bitches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad vibes. Ushiro Mianji would like to know your incarnate. Ushiro is also very petty. Like, yeah, <laughs> she's like, see you in hell, what bitch. Money, Have then? a nice day. <laughs> but Maria, Maria, murder her mom. Like, literally. <laughs> over and over. over, and over Good, again. then it's your right. I'm not okay. I'm not. There's like certain levels of pettiness. Like I mean, like both like Angel and like Maria comes from actual trauma. Like they like, mm-hmm. but like I mean, Burn you could say also comes from actual trauma, but she's so far removed from it that she's just petty. <laughs> also, like when you say the word witch, it's kind of it has a like a bad guy connotation, mm-hmm. right? Like oh, the evil wicked witch, especially like even in like wicked there's like a good witch quote-unquote i mean both witches are supposed to be quote-unquote good but <laughs> like the name witch just exudes malevolence yeah, yeah you know so it's not like there's a good witch also read uh house and father morgana just saying <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a good witch talk going on there okay so yeah only bad witches are ugly <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about Fergilia then? Fergilia isn't petty. Uh, she had, she got, she, she got, got her something moments. Going on. She got her yeah. moments. Think about like she has her eyes. She has her eyes exactly. Remember her eyes when she <laughs> opens her eyes. <laughs> the curly smile. Come on. I'm pretty Both sure she. Women. I'm pretty sure she gets massively petty in EP4. Like in later on. Really? Okay, I don't yeah. recall EP4. So. Yes, but like her her interactions with Gap, it's it it shows sometimes. Okay. Because Gap keeps bullying her. Anyways, I think we've we we exhausted yeah. everything. Said all yeah. thoughts. I said all my one. That's notes. good. That was a good talk, everyone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Burn Castle Sanders. Come on, we had like a, I know. a ten I'm, minute I'm conversation about that. So <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. we are ending it now. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Uh, tune in next time for the next episode where we cover uh, what the whatever the hell happens next. Uh, in the meantime, see cats do crimes. Catch you yeah. later.